Well, last month I was uh, flying back from a few days in Los Angeles, and uh, I had a quite a long wait before my flight left. And then on top of that, uh, my flight was delayed for two hours, and then it's a, it's a five-hour flight cross-country anyways. So I did something I don't typically do, and I wandered into the, uh, the bookshop at the, at the airport, and I actually found a book that I was uh, looking forward uh, to reading for some time but I haven't been able to do, and I picked it up. Uh, Silence uh, is now considered a classic by many, written in 1966 by a Japanese author named Shusako Endo. And it's a novel that tells the story of Portuguese Jesuit missionaries in the late 1500s who traveled to Japan despite uh, the really horrific persecution of Christianity that was happening in Japan at the time. Uh, it's, it's really actually a book that's difficult to read at times. Um, and just recently, uh, it's been turned into a major movie uh, directed by none other than Martin Scorsese. I haven't been able to see the, the movie yet, but starring Liam Neeson and um, uh, some other great young actors. Uh, but the movie and the book uh, really wrestles with these ideas of faith and doubt. And these young missionaries are having to grapple with Deep questions. God, where is your mission leading me? And what is it going to cost me? Will it even cost me my life? That's what they're having to ask. And throughout the history of the church, we have these amazing stories of missionaries that have demonstrated incredible courage. And that's still happening today. Just this past week, I was reading about a Presbyterian minister who's been wrongfully incarcerated in Turkey and is waiting. On Facebook, I saw a pastor in Malaysia who was abducted. Uh, pastor Dudley is always kind of telling us um, stories from the voice of the martyrs, right, of these pastors and their families throughout the world in South America. They're dealing with incredible persecution. But I sometimes wonder that when we hear stories like this or we hear reports like these, if it just feels like a world away, right? It doesn't feel anything like our lives here in Boynton Beach in 2017, right? And we praise God for that. That's a good thing. We're grateful that we can gather together like this and worship freely and safely. But being a Christian... Being a follower of Jesus, no matter where you are, whether you're living in 16th century Japan, whether you live in Malaysia, in Turkey, or in Colombia, or right here in Boynton Beach, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary. That's what following Jesus leads us to become. And one of the themes of this series, People of Purpose, has been, and you've heard Pastor Dudley uh, mentioned this a number of times, that the church, the local church, is the hope of the world because of its message and its people. You are the hope of the world because of the message that we have, which means that you and I were made for a mission. Right? And I have three points today that I want to bring to us that get us uh, to think around this idea of being made for a mission. It's first to see God's plan for mission. 
and then to ask the necessary questions. Well, what is our mission, and then how do we carry it out? So let's first look at God's plan for mission. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis 12. It'll be on the screen here in a moment as well. But early in the scriptures, God comes to a man named Abram, who would later be renamed Abraham. And God calls Abram out of where he was living to go to an entirely new place. And he says, Abram, I have a plan for you. I have a mission for you. You're going to go to a place that you've never been to. You're going to leave everything behind. You're going to leave your country, your land, your family house. But God says, as you go, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to commit myself to go with you and to never leave. And so Abraham has to exchange the known for the unknown. Right? But here's the promise that God makes to Abraham. Look at verse 2 of Genesis 12. It says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. A few chapters later in Genesis, God brings Abraham outside at night, and he says, look at the sky. Look at all the stars in the sky. Abraham, your family one day is going to be more numerous than all of the the stars in the sky. It's quite a promise, isn't it? And what was required from Abraham for this new life, this new mission, was faith. Bare faith to believe and trust the promise of God. That he actually was going to build a family, a nation, a people of purpose through Abraham. But if you read through the Old Testament and you hear the other stories of the Old Testament, you'll quickly realize that Abraham's descendants, and even Abraham at times, do not always hold on to that promise. They forget it. They lose sight of it so many times, but always, no matter what, God held on to them. Even when they let go of God, God was holding on to the promise that he made them. My uh, wife and I and our two kids, we, we live in a family house. Uh, actually, the house that my grandfather built in 1949. He was a carpenter by trade, and get this, he built it for $1,200. He never had a mortgage. Right? And the way it worked back then was he would work all week long as a carpenter, and then on Fridays he'd go down to the bank and get his uh, building loan, his $50 for the week, the part of the loan, and he'd go and he'd get his supplies, and he'd work on the house all weekend long, and then go back to work on Monday. So this house is very special to us. But of course, like all older homes in South Florida, there have been multiple additions, multiple renovations, right? Anybody know what this is? This is a floor plan, right? This is an original floor plan of Henry Flagler's famous Ponce de Leon Hotel in St. Augustine. And this was the original design, and of course, no doubt, Uh, It went through revisions and additions, updates. It was expanded upon. And now, 
Uh, if you've been to St. Augustine, the Ponce de Leon Hotel is part of Flagler College. It's just a beautiful, beautiful facility. But our house was built in 1949 and then had a major addition in 1961 and then another one in 1985. And we're always laughing because typically when it comes time to fix something, we're finding something that my grandfather did in his own unique way and we are scratching our heads trying to find exactly what he was trying. What on earth was he trying to do here? But God makes a promise to Abraham and he says, your family, Abraham, is going to be a blessing to the world, to all nations. You're going to have members of your family from all over the world. Abraham had to have been shocked by that. You see, God's plan for mission is not an afterthought. It's not a renovation to the original plan. God's plan for mission was part of the original plan that he had for the world, that people from all over, from all nations, would be brought into his family one day. This was the plan from the beginning. And in the Old Testament, we get glimpses of that. There's this beautiful psalm, actually the shortest psalm in the book of Psalms, Psalm 117, where the psalmist writes, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. And so you and I are a part of God's original plan for mission. And that means that your neighbors are a part of God's original plan. And CIN kids in Honduras and Bolivia are part of God's original plan for mission. Mission didn't just begin when Jesus and the Apostle Paul arrived on the scene. Mission has always been a part of God's plan for the world. So then we have to ask the question, well, if that's true, what is our mission? What is it if we're called into that? When Jesus does arrive, early on in his ministry, actually in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, the very first thing he says is this. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It's come near because God has come near. And it's good news because although God had promised Abraham that he would be a blessing to the world, the bad news of the gospel tells us that even with that promise, God's people went their own way. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden went their own way. And just like we so often go our own way. And because of that sin, because of the consequences of going our own way, we're separated from God. And we no longer deserve to have his promises. Instead, we deserve His judgment and His wrath. But then, Jesus comes to us and He says that the kingdom of God, I am bringing God's kingdom near. And He says He has good news if we would repent and believe. And then He would show us what that good news is by living the perfect life that we could never live ourselves, keeping all of God's commands. And that 
because of his perfect life, he would become the perfect sacrifice when he allowed himself to be arrested and convicted and hung on a cross. And you see that's so important because Jesus allowed those things to happen. Why? Because he was on a mission. Because this was part of God's original plan. And this is good news for you and it's good news for the world because his death for our sins on the cross means that we're no longer separated from God. That we can be brought back into that special and meaningful relationship with God our Father that we were always created and meant to have. But the good news of the Gospel doesn't even end there. Three days later, He rose from the dead, defeating our greatest enemy of death itself, raised to life so that now we could have an eternal hope. We could start to live this eternal life, not just one day in heaven, but now. Now, that is the good news of the gospel. That is the message that God's people have for the world. This is, in other words, our mission. But Jesus even takes it one step further to make sure that we know exactly what our mission is. Just after his resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples, and they are shocked, of course, But look with me at John chapter 20. It says, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He gives them the Holy Spirit. Jesus is sending his disciples out on mission. They are now missionaries. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And I want us to think about that because... These guys are terrified, right? They're hiding. And these are the ones who Jesus is choosing to send out into the world with his message. How is that possible? But I'm sure Abraham felt very similar centuries and centuries earlier. And just like God promised Abraham that he would always be with him, that he was committed to him, Jesus promises his disciples His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He gives it to them. He says, when I send you, I'm sending you not on your own, but with the Holy Spirit. So you can do this, Peter. You can do this, John. You can go out into the world and tell people about me. So receive it and go. Think about it this way. Imagine you're applying for a job with a new company and you've gone through the interview process and things have gone relatively well and finally you hear back from them and they say, you know, we are so excited to have you join our company. Uh, We think this is a great step for us and for you and you're excited. And then they say, there's just one thing. We think you've applied for the wrong job. We want to give you the entire department. And all of a sudden, 
you are sweating and the fear kind of overwhelms you. And you say, well, I, I don't have the training for that. I don't have the experience for that. I don't know how I would be, ever be able to carry all of that work. And you list all of your reasons for why this is a bad idea. And then they come back to you and they say, yeah, yeah, we know, right? But we are committed to you. And we're going to help you with all of that. We're going to pay for your training. We're going to give you extra staff and resources. We believe that you can do this. That's quite a work environment, isn't it? That's exactly what Jesus is saying to his disciples. I am sending you out, and I'm going to give you all the resources that you need. You will have my spirit with you. And that's what Jesus says to you and me today. For our mission, what is our mission? It is to tell the good news of Jesus to the world. And then he says, I'm going to give you everything you need to do it. God's commands are always rooted in his promises. Jesus gives them the command to go, to go. But he gives them the promise that they will go with his spirit. So the question then becomes for us, how do we carry it out? If this is our mission, how do we carry it out? You know, some of the answers to that question are different today than a hundred years ago if we were to ask that question of what it means to be a missionary, what it means to carry out the mission of Jesus. We live in a modern world. Things are different now. It means that we have uh, different creative ways to carry out the mission of Jesus, but in some ways, it's exactly the same. When you come to church on Sunday mornings and hear the Word of God preached, you are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. And when you come in week in and week out to hear that, you are shaped by it. You are taking it in. And before you know it, you may find yourself in a conversation with someone and you're sharing the bad news and the good news of Jesus. You are being trained to be a missionary just by worshiping here each and every week. And we're committed to this at BBCC that you would know that when you invite someone here, whether it's a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, that you can bank on the fact that they will hear the gospel of Jesus preached. That all it takes is an invitation and they will hear what it means to become a follower of Jesus. So coming to church each and every week, inviting someone else to come to church each and every week, these are novel concepts, I know, right? It's a big part of being a missionary in today's world. But it's also about practicing hospitality hospitality on mission. This is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Last summer, Time Magazine had an article titled 240 Reasons to Celebrate America Right Now. And number 77 was none other than the lowly but always open Waffle House. According to the writer Ben Goldberger, um, the article said, it's so dependable 
that FEMA has a so-called Waffle House index for disasters. If the locations are closed, you know things are bad. To those who sing its praises, of course, they, they don't do that because the food is really great, right? But according to one customer, he said, there's no ego here. There's no pretension. It's welcoming to all. And Daniel Hum, who's the proprietor of a very high-end New York City restaurant called 11 Madison Park, uh, went with a group uh, as part of this article and wrote this. It was a reminder of how important hospitality is. We just felt so taken care of there. Hospitality is such an important thing, isn't it? To be welcomed and invited into something new is often the way that we experience new and enjoyable things in our lives. And it makes perfect sense then that it would be exactly the same for someone who has experienced Jesus, experiencing Jesus and the church for the first time. It's important. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, always be eager to practice hospitality. And Peter in 1 Peter 4 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And this is really where our personal creativity comes into play. Right? How is God leading me right now to be thinking about living a more hospitable life? What does hospitality on mission look like for you. And the first step may simply be to be more open to others. To live a life that is more open to others and to new people. I was talking to a pastor friend recently who was telling me about a new initiative they were starting in their church around this idea of hospitality. They were inviting everybody to have these dinner parties in their homes and to uh, invite people from the church and neighbors to come. And so they had sign-up sheets available to either host or to be a guest uh, for these dinner parties. And they were shocked when they realized that everybody was signing up to be a host. No one wanted to be a guest. What does that say? I think it's great to have dinner parties and to throw dinner parties, right, to show that kind of hospitality. But I think some of us still like the little bit of control that we have, right? In our own homes, invite maybe the people that we feel comfortable with, but to go to somebody else's home, to be a guest, to maybe not know everybody there, that's different. That can be uncomfortable at times. But if we're going to carry out the mission of Jesus, it's going to ask us to open up to new people, to live a life open to others. So this may be a shocker to you, but if you're going to be a missionary, if you're going to live out in the mission of Jesus, you're going to have to meet some new people. And for some of us, that in and of itself is an area that God may be leading us further to become like him. And this is where I want to kind of leave us today. That if we're made for mission, if being a follower of Jesus necessarily means that we move out into his mission in the world, then how are you and I going to really discover what those next steps are? 
how can you discover your next steps? And for all of us, it should start with inviting someone here to BBCC. We have so many wonderful things happening here on a regular basis, such great community and fellowship, clear opportunities for people to be hearing the gospel of Jesus. So what if you just committed to that first? To becoming a missionary in this way, to be here every week, and to invite someone new. In the last few weeks, we've uh, been talking about a process of discipleship here at BBCC where all of us want to kind of discover our next steps for how we are moving forward in our faith, in our journey with God. And we're going to have seminars, and we're kind of that base path model of discovering where you are in your faith and how you're going to move forward. And on May 13th, we're going to have a seminar on a Saturday morning devoted to mission and evangelism, and we want all of you to be there. That should be the biggest, most highly attended thing that we do. How can we all be trained more in this idea of mission and evangelism because that's what followers of Jesus do. Later this year, we're going to have a course called Christianity Explored that's going to do more of that. It's actually going to be an opportunity for you to invite someone who has questions about faith to come and to come with them to know more about what it means to live a life open to hospitality and to others. We have so many incredible local and global ministry partners here. We talk about them often. If you go into the lobby, you'll see all the information there. I just want to encourage you to do that, to go on our website, to learn more, to take that next step. And some of you, as we've been talking about this new a missions trip to Honduras. Some of you have been kind of been sitting there the last few weeks and you've been hearing this and you've been thinking to yourself, you know, it sounds really good. I, I think I'd really like to do that. I just don't know. And let me just be the one to tell you. Go. Right? Do it. Just do it. Go and believe that God's going to go with you. Go to that Q&A meeting on March 5th. Start there. Take that next step. Believing that God has a place to send you to in this world as well. So whatever your next step may be, all of us are called to be missionaries. And you may not think of yourself that way. You may not put yourself in the class of the missionary to Japan in the 16th century who's laying down his or her life for the work of Christ. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary. You are called to be sent out on the same mission. And here's the beautiful thing. We're not called to you know, heroically take over the world for Jesus. We're not called even to be Jesus with skin on. Why? Because God has promised to be with Abraham as he went out into the world. And Jesus has promised the same thing to us. It's Jesus in you through His Holy Spirit. Jesus in you that goes out into the world. It is not you left to your own self. It is His Spirit in you that sends you out into the world. It's true because we're the people of God. 
And it's true because being the people of God means we are a people of purpose and we're made for a mission. And we believe that the hope of the world is God's people with its message. And so what are the next steps that we're going to take together as a community, as individuals, to see ourselves being sent out into the world with a message that we know will change hearts and change communities. Why? Because it has changed ours. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we believe today that we are here, this church is here, because other people that have gone before us have carried your mission and your message forward. God, whatever our stories are, someone, somehow, has come into our life that has fanned the flame of the gospel in us. And as followers of you, as those of us who are, uh, Lord, really looking uh, to take the next steps of faith in our journey, Lord, all of us are called to be sent out into the world with a message that we know changes lives. And so it's my prayer that all of us, no matter where we may be, would be looking for new opportunities to carry this mission forward because we were made for it. This is what following you is all about. And wherever we may feel um, overwhelmed by that call, wherever we are uncomfortable by that call, Lord, may we feel the presence of your Holy Spirit with us, pushing us to say, receive my spirit and go. God, I pray that we would do more and more of that uh, together as a community of faith here at BBCC. And we give you thanks for Jesus who has given us the good news to take out into the world and into the lives of people around us. We give you thanks this morning. In his name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.